And uh, I'll never forget it. My wife heard me, you know, rummaging around the bedroom and she goes, what are you doing? You know, and I said, I'm looking for running shoes. And she said, what? Dizzons Radio episode 844 starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. guys, one of the things that uh, I offer as a coach that uh, I actually is kind of one of my favorite things to do is uh, the old one-off uh, consult call. So, you know, if, if for one reason or another, and there's, there's no shortage of, of very perfectly valid good reasons, uh, working with, with me or any coach full-time is not uh, right for you right now, but you have something that you're dealing with, something with, you know, training for races, trying to figure out your, how to, how to train properly for your fall race calendar. Now that it's all jacked up, uh, with races getting rescheduled and postponed and things happening, uh, due to, you know, COVID-19, uh, maybe there's a little niggle issue that you're dealing with. Maybe you're, you're struggling with, uh, just staying motivated right now. And you kind of want to talk through some things, whatever the case might be, if there's a coaching question that you might have, one of the best ways to get it addressed is to jump on the phone and, and really work through it over the course of 20, 30 minutes, something like that. Really kind of get some clarity, uh, and, and that's what we can do, and that's that's one option that I have available. So if that sounds like something that might be useful to you now or you know just want to tuck that away for something in the future, uh, definitely realize that uh, I, I like to think it's pretty you know, economical. I'm not, uh, not taking you to task to jump on the phone for 20, 30 minutes, kind of talk through whatever it is you're dealing with. And all the details can be found at disruns.com slash consultation, disruns.com slash consultation. We'll jump on the phone, try to give you some, uh, some advice to help you move forward with whatever little struggles, issues, uh, obstacles that you're dealing with right now in your running life. So if you have any questions, if we can jump on the phone and, and help you disruns.com slash consultation. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, I'm uh, really looking forward to today's chat, though I have a, a feeling that even before we get started today, uh, we might not be able to cover all the the topics that uh, would make sense to talk about today because today, today's guest brings uh, brings a lot to the table. Um, he's He's the type of person who has definitely seen uh, his life change pretty dramatically since the day he decided to take up running, uh, both physically and I, I believe professionally, although we'll get into the details as we go. But a, a couple of topics, this is just touching the, the tip of the iceberg, um, pretty dramatic rate, ra- uh, excuse me, pretty dramatic weight loss, easy for me to say. Uh, also getting into directing races, running ultra marathons, and, uh, and a whole lot more. So like I said, these are just a few of the topics and uh, we'll, we'll dive into as many as we can today with uh, today's guest, Mr. Joe Randini. So Joe, thanks for uh, joining us today and welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, certainly looking forward to it. And guys, if you want to find out, like I said, we, we may barely be skimming the surface on some things today. So if you want to find out more about Joe, what he's got going on, things like that, uh, joerandini.com is the website. And that's Joe, J-O-E. Pretty easy to spell that part. Uh, Randini, you might, you might struggle with this one a little bit. It's R-A-N-D-E-N-E, randini.com. On Instagram at Joe underscore the underscore runner. Pretty straightforward there. And uh, Facebook, Strava, if you want to connect with them there. 
Just his name. Pretty simple. Joe Randini. Uh, Dizruns.com slash 844 is the link that'll take you back to the show notes today. As per usual, we'll have everything linked up there. So if you're struggling to spell that last name because it doesn't sound exactly how it looks, at least that was that was our pre, pre-show discussion or part of it. But I was like, ah, okay. We'll, we'll get make sure to get the name right. Uh, but, you know, whatever. If, if you're out on the go, can't write stuff down, want uh, a refresh, just remember the show number. Dizruns.com slash 844 take you right back to the show notes. We'll have everything linked there. So Joe, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with a very, uh, very simple question as far as it goes to ask. Sometimes it's an easy one to answer. Sometimes it's a little bit uh, more complicated. And if I had to paint with a, with a pretty broad brush, I'd say the ultra runners struggle the most with this question. So no, no pressure or anything, but uh, just, just love to, to start off the conversation with this question. What is your favorite distance to race and why? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And uh, you're right. I think being an ultra runner, you kind of, uh, there's such a broad brush. It, it's hard to kind of pick a distance and, and you know, you don't want to exclude anyone with your answer, but at, at the same time, I think, you know, the various distances that we run definitely have their own challenges. My personal favorite is, is the hundred mile distance. Uh, I think it's, it's a distance that is designed to challenge your, uh, you know, your physical fitness, it's a distance that's, you know, designed to, to challenge your heart, uh, and your mind, um, because anything, uh, can happen in a hundred mile race and you've got to learn to troubleshoot on your feet. So it's like, it's almost like playing a long game of, of chess with your, your body and your mind and your heart. Um, and, and that's why I kind of like it. There's, it, it breaks you down to, to nothing. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something that I feel like I, I hear, from uh, pretty much every hundred mile, uh, you know, everybody who runs hundred miles that I've talked to over the, over the years where it's just like, there's so many things that can, can happen, do happen. And, and, you know, I, I sit back and think that, you know, I've, I've, I've dipped my toes uh, a couple times into 50 K's. I think I've got two or three, uh, 50 K's under my three 50 K's under my belt. Um, and you know, multiple marathons. And I'm, I'm always like, yeah, I feel like, you know, things can happen and go sideways over 26.2 miles or, you know, 30, 31, 32 miles for the 50 K. And then I just stop and think of like, you know, over the course of a hundred miles over that much, that much greater distance. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be uh it's, it's not a matter of if something goes a little bit sideways or if something a little bit unexpected happens, it's just kind of when it, I feel like it would have to be kind of a, a mindset shift of when is something going to go sideways and then how am I going to respond? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's 100 percent correct. And and I think the thing that's interesting about uh, running is, is, you know, you can run a mile um, and, and go at it as hard as you possibly can. And that in itself is a huge challenge. Like I have respect for, for people who are doing any kind of distance, because when you put the right amount of effort into any kind of distance, um, you know, you're, you're challenging yourself in all sorts of different ways. Um, the one thing I will point out is, is as your distances increase, I think, especially in races where you're, you're really pushing it, um, it, there's an exponentiality to kind of stuff that can go wrong. So, you know, things that, that can go wrong in a half marathon as you approach a marathon, you know, a lot more can go wrong quicker, you know, and, and as you approach 50 K or 50 miles, you know, it's exponential. And, and as you said, you know, as you approach a hundred miles and some people are doing 150 and 200 milers, it just continues to get more and more, uh, exponential. And, and it just, you know, you've got to learn to really work with your crew, listen to people, um, be flexible and, and really troubleshoot on your feet, you know, when you're tired, when you're hurting. Um, it's, it's beautiful in a, in a sick kind of demented (laughs) way. (laughs) 
Yes, yes, I can. I can only imagine. And, and uh, one of these days, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it's it's. I've definitely learned to never say never. And and I just kind of feel like one of these days, somebody's gonna find me in that weak moment, talk me into to doing one of these silly hundred milers, and then who knows? The rest the rest might be history at that point. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, Joe, how did you get get started in in running? Like I, I know a little bit from your your website and uh, and and uh, you know blog and, and whatnot that running hasn't been something at least i don't think i i maybe better hedge my bets here and not say that i know i i don't think that running's been part of your life since uh since the early days but but how'd you find your way into the sport yeah i mean the you know my my kind of story was you know i, I was a kind of a fat kid um grew up you know pretty pretty unhealthy just um you know our family just didn't have the best exercise habits the best eating habits uh, and that kind of stuck with me until about high school. And then um, I started playing sports and, and I lost weight and I got into good, pretty good shape. And I joined the military and, and those types of things kind of kept me on point and, and kept me physically active and, and in good shape. Um, when I got out of the military and, and, you know, got married and had kids and, you know, basically went into an executive, you know, type of a lifestyle – you know, you, you, you're kind of out a lot eating, you know, drinking, um, not exercising cause you're putting in the hours and you're working and, and like a lot of, um, you know, men and women, I think as you kind of get into that part of your life, you gain three pounds or four pounds a year, five pounds a year, and you kind of don't realize it. And then, you know, one day you kind of look back after 20, 25 years and you realize you've gained a hundred pounds or 120 pounds. Um, and, and for me, I just kind of had like, a, it was like a lightning bolt moment. I, I was, you know, we were, I was operations director living over in Europe. Um, my wife and I were living in, in Florence, Italy with our kids. And, uh, we had just gotten back from vacation and I had to get back to work. I was, you know, catching a really, really early flight, uh, woke up and, and went to put on a shirt and, and I couldn't button my shirt. And, uh, and I just had this like, lightning bolt strike me at about four in the morning in the dark in my bedroom that said, you know what, you've got a great life and and you're going to be dead if you keep doing things that you're doing. And uh, I'll never forget it. My wife heard me, you know, rummaging around the bedroom and she goes, what are you doing? You know, and I said, I'm looking for running shoes. And she said, what? <laughs> I said, I've got a pair of running shoes here and I'm looking for them. And she goes, they're, you know, they're at the bottom of the of, uh, you know, the armoire or whatever it was. And, and I went and found him and threw him into my bag and she rolled over and went to sleep just thinking like, you know, what's this crazy guy, you know, doing. Um, and that night I got done, uh, at work, got back to the hotel and I went out and I tried to just go for a little run and I made it literally a hundred feet mm-hmm. and I was dying. My, my legs were hurting. I had snot running down my nose. I was breathing heavy and I went back to the hotel room and I typed in, you know, how do people begin to run? How do people go from, you know, zero to running, you know, 5K mm-hmm. and a couch to 5K thing popped up and I downloaded the app and I just started kind of following that. Uh, and and kind of at the end of that, I was able to kind of jog for 30 minutes and that was a huge accomplishment. And uh I noticed, you know, if, if I ate a little better and slept a little more and didn't drink so much that I felt better during an exercise. So I started kind of modifying those things. And next thing you know, some of the weight's coming off mm-hmm. and, 
you know, it just, it just kind of was like a, a positive, um, you know, spiral up from there in a physical aspect. And, and then a, a buddy of mine basically said, look, you need to, uh, put something out there to hold yourself accountable. Why don't you sign up for this charity 10 K in, in Manchester, England, and, and it's, you know, give you something to train for and come out that weekend, spend the night, you know, with us and we'll go run this charity thing. You'll raise some money for a good cause and, you know, and, and we'll do that. So, so that's what I did. I, I kind of put something out there to hold myself accountable and, mm-hmm. uh, the weight kept coming off and the distance kept increasing and set myself a goal of less than an hour and, uh, went out there and ran that 10 K and, uh, and about 55 minutes. And, nice. you know, it was, yeah, it was just, it was just great. I felt good, um, raised money for a great cause. Physically, I was getting fitter and fitter and I've got kind of an addictive personality anyway. And, mm-hmm. And and that's kind of, you know, what happened. Then it was like, could I run a half marathon? Could I run a marathon? So just kind of kept at it. Uh, and, and that's really how I, I got into it. And, and I think the message, if, if there is one in that whole story right there, is like, I'm not special. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can do it, once I've kind of had that moment of clarity and, and dedicated myself to it, um, anybody can do it. You know, you can get your, your physical fitness back. You can get your life back if you're that kind of middle-aged person who's let yourself go a little bit it's never too late yeah absolutely and, and it's you know I'm, I'm hearing that and and i'm just thinking that it's it's a series of small you know just like anything it's a series of 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 things that you do on a consistent basis that make all the difference so you start with a little bit of running and and pretty soon like you're eating better like you said your sleep's better like everything starts to to kind of you need know, that one little thing to kind of get you, get you going in the right direction sometimes. Um, but, but in hearing that story, um, I'm curious if, because it sounds like it was fairly, that first run was pretty tough, you know, but, but you obviously stuck at it, kept going. Um, I'm curious if you, if you can, if you've thought about it, if you can put to words, why running, you know, like, like of all the things that you could have done on, you know, that morning, you're struggling to put the shirt on, it's not fitting quite right. Um, you know, you, there's a dozen different things you could have looked to. You could have done, you know, different types of physical activity. It could have been turned into some type of dietary change right off the front. Um, any idea why running was was the lightning bolt that that struck you and 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 you know, kind of planted that seed that day? Yeah, I think you know, again, that's a, another great question. Um, the lifestyle that that I was living at that point in time was I was traveling. Uh, you know, almost every single week. Um, and when you're traveling like that, um, you do have access to gyms at the, at the, the hotel and, and things like that. But you know, that to me kind of wasn't where I wanted to go. I, you know, I, I was a strong person, even though I was overweight. Um, so it wasn't like I wanted to just go and, and gain some muscle or hit the gym and, and running on a treadmill, you know, didn't sound appealing. So when you think about what your options are with that kind of lifestyle, the beauty of running, quite frankly, is you can throw a little pair of shorts and a, you know, and a T-shirt in your bag and uh, in, in your running shoes, you know, and you've got everything you need right. um, to, to go out and, and, and do it. So. Um, I know once you get into the sport, trust me, my, my wife laughs about how inexpensive my sport is when I'm dropping coin all the time on, you know, all the different things I use for, for running. But at its core, if you want to go for a run, like, I, you know, I did before we got on this call, you know, you just throw your shoes on, go out your front door uh, and you can do it. You don't need uh, a bunch of, of, you know, auxiliary type items to do it. You don't, you know, so it's a very portable sport and it's a very simple sport. 
Um, and I think that's part of what makes it such an amazing sport, quite frankly, is it's accessible to most people. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, I've said before, and, and I'll say it again, that it's, for me, it's my favorite, th- favorite way to see a new city. You know, is is if if I'm traveling somewhere for for one reason or other. These days, typically I'm traveling there for a race, so I'm going to see it running one way or the other. But you know, if if I'm if I'm somewhere and like you said, I you know, it's easy to throw my running like my running shoes are going to go in the bag. But if I was a cyclist, like I'm not going to take my bike everywhere. Or you know, if I'm if I'm a right. swimmer, uh, you know, like I, I probably there's probably not going to be open water in, in every part of of different towns. Um, so like you said, you were traveling all over the place and starting to mix some running in. What what are some of the uh you know, obviously we're based in, in Europe for a while. So what kind of cool places were you able to, to run in, um, oh, over, over the man, years? Man, I've been, uh, I'm one of the luckiest men you're ever going to meet in that aspect. I mean, you know, I, I started running, um, while we lived in Florence, Italy. And, uh, so my, my backdrop on the weekends was, was running through Florence, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I don't mean, like around Florence. I mean, I, I ran through downtown Florence, around Florence, the hills in Florence. You know, I've I've run up to, to you know, Galileo's Observatory, you know, on a trail run. Um, so, you know, that was always amazing. My first marathon was, was in the city of Florence, which was a beautiful marathon to run. Um, obviously, I talked to you about the Manchester right. uh, 10K, and, and that happened to be by chance. I had no idea until I got there that it's the world's largest 10K. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like 60,000 people. Wow. It was incredible. It's on TV every year. It's called the Great Run, I believe, the Great Manchester Run. Um, I've run a marathon through Manchester. Um, my first half marathon was in a little town called Piwa, Poland, because um, I was traveling to Poland, and some mm-hmm. friends of mine there said, hey, let's go run this half marathon. Um, you know, I've, I've been so, so fortunate. Uh, and then when we moved back to the United States, um, the really funny thing was that we moved back to the same location that when we went to Europe and I had no clue that there was all these trail systems right Mm -hmm. here, literally right out my back door. I, I can run a half a mile and be on the trail system here in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I had no clue it was there. So, so when I came home, um, you know, I was like, man, where am I going to run? You know, there, you know, there's no trails in Greensboro. And, and it turned out that, you know, there's right out my back door, you know, access to 40, 50 miles of trails. So, um, so I've just been, you know, really lucky. Um, my, my metal case is, is pretty cool looking because mm-hmm. it's just got, you know, a ton of stuff from various countries, you know, that I've got to run in. Um, so it's, you know, my, my life's been you know, I've got no complaints. I'm a, I'm a very lucky man. Gotcha. Gotcha. I know a lot of folks and I'm, I'm one of them, uh, you know, have, have some ambitions to travel and, you know, run different places, run different races, whether it's different States in the United States, whether it's international, whatever the case might be. Um, curious. And I know this is kind of a, a pretty general question and we don't need to dive too deep into it, but because of your experience running races in different countries and, and obviously as we'll get into being pretty directly tied into the running community, uh, in Greensboro and in, in the United States in, in general, um, what, what kind of difference are there a lot of differences is, is, is running kind of running wherever you go like like for those of us that are that are u.s based and, and haven't done international real running and racing is it is it pretty similar or is it pretty different or is it kind of all across the board you know the the, the running community my experience anyway has been the running community um wherever you go it's it's very very similar so the sport you know it, it's it's 
you know, what makes it a great sport is, like I said, you put on a pair of shoes and you can go for a run. And, and that doesn't change, you know, wherever you are. There are little nuances. You know, I'll give you, you know, the best example is uh, the, the way I got introduced to trail running was, you know, I was doing all these these road races and I was trying to qualify for Boston. I set that goal for myself. Oh, I'm going to qualify for Boston. And a buddy of mine, an Italian guy, you know, in Florence, he basically said, uh, you know, you, you've got access to these beautiful trails here in Florence and Fiesole. Like, have you run any of these trails? And I said, I didn't even know that was a thing, you know, like, like running trails, you know. So he's like, yeah, we every week, a bunch of guys, you know, on Sunday morning, we, we meet over at this little coffee shop. And then we, you know, we go for, uh, for our trail run. He's like, you know, why don't you meet us? You know? So I went to the, to the coffee shop and, and here's all these Italian guys in the morning having Cornetto, which is like, a, uh, you know, it's like a croissant kind of thing and, and cappuccino or, or an espresso. Uh, and then they, you know, head off on the trail run. And, and so we all had our little espressos and, you know, went for a, a trail run and then came back down and, you know, it was a little bit later in the day, everybody had a cold beer and, you know, and then everybody, you know, went home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, you know, it might not, it might be a little different, the, the, what you're eating and what you're drinking, but the, the, the socialized part of it is very much the same. You get together, you have a good time, you have this common thread that, that all binds you. Uh, the jokes are the same about, chafing and bleeding and (laughs) vomiting and you know blisters and um so yeah i think you know in a way the the running community would be an awesome lesson for for the world the way runners treat each other i think yeah yeah that's that's uh, definitely true so you know you, you obviously you know lots of experiences lots of travel different different you know locations to run terrains the whole nine yards um like you said you moved back to to the u.s kind of find some some running going around in in the greensboro north carolina area um and and i'm not entirely sure so obviously correct me if i'm wrong but was there a a career switch in there at all or how'd you get into because because what i don't think i've mentioned yet you're you're the general manager for some fleet feet stores um like when did when did that side of of life kind of happen for you yeah, so um, came home, looked for uh, an ultra marathon run, found Triple Lakes uh, right in the backyard here. Uh, went and ran that. Met Mike Clark, um, who owns the Junction Three Eleven, who does those races, mm-hmm. and started to develop a relationship with him. Um, started to shop, you know, obviously look for your local running shop, and started to shop at Fleet Feet a little bit. Uh, you know, really was impressed with the staff there. Um, you know, they always took good care of me. Uh, always had great advice, always listened to to the things I were trying to solve or troubleshoot and would, would help me with solutions, um, you know, and kind of got to a point with my career um, where I was talking to my wife one day and I said, you know, um, I, I think, you know, we, we have enough resources that we could, you know, we, we don't necessarily need to, to work and be stressed the way we work and we're stressed right now. And I really think I'd like to kind of step back from all that, retire early and, and maybe go work at the local running store and just kind of, you know, uh, enjoy what I'm, what I'm doing a little bit. And, uh, she said, well, you know, let me think about that a little bit. So I gave her a night or two to sleep on it. And she said, look, if you think we're good, you know, and that's what you want to do, I'll support you. So I went down and, and talked to the owner of Fleet Feet, a guy named John Dewey here in Greensboro. Um, he owns Greensboro and High Point Fleet Feets. And I said, John, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, you know, part time's fine with me. I'm just looking to kind of you know, do something, uh, um, that gets me plugged in more into the running community. 
Uh, and, uh, I'm going to quit my job and, and kind of retire early. And, and I'd love to do this. And he said, look, I can't promise you hours. I can't promise you anything, but, but, you know, if you want me to bring you on, I'll give you some weekends here and there and, and just kind of see how it goes, you know, and started working for John and, you know, as, as, you know, time went by, you just, you just try to go to work every day and add value. And eventually I got the opportunity to, to, to take the general manager position, um, for the two stores, you know, so, uh, through that process, you know, and that, that's kind of what, and it's interesting how this community is so close and tight knit, but, you know, Mike and John and, and, and then the people that were working at the store, that all kind of plugged together. And then, uh, one day Mike approached me and just basically said, Hey, you know, uh, would you be interested in, in doing the race directing for our trail stuff at junction 311? So, so it just kind of all, um, plugged together. And, and over the course of about 12 months, I was actually able to kind of flip flop my, you know, my life over from what I was doing, uh, as an operations director into converting it all to, to running. Um, so again, I'm, I'm, you know, I work hard, but I'm also a very fortunate guy and very appreciative of the people who helped me, uh, get to that point. So much for that, uh, early retirement then, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it's interesting because people give me that all the time. They say, well, you, you're not retired if you work 40, 50 hours a week. And it's like, well, I think for me, um, the definition of retirement will always be waking up and doing what I want to do. Um, so I think, you know, there's a freedom to that, um, that I'm very fortunate to have. And, it, and, and, and what it really, the way it manifests itself, quite frankly, is my stress level is very low. Right. You know, I wake up and, and uh, I go to the running store and do what I love and, and I race direct and I get to be around people who are mm-hmm. challenging themselves and doing accomplishment, you know, huge accomplishments for themselves and get to high five them when they cross the finish line. And, you know, so for me, it's, it's more about the freedom every morning of waking up and, and saying, I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, definitely a, a, something I think a lot of people would, uh, would, would kind of. Uh, aspire to is having that job where it's like, yeah, you're around your people and you're doing things you enjoy. And, and, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure that there's probably for you, just like there is for me, there's, there's always, those, you know, some little things here and there that's kind of like, Oh, I got to do this. And, you know, there's a, there's a few aspects here and there, but for the most part, yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. Like I wake up, and I get to talk to people about running. Like that's, that's not a bad, not a bad way to go about uh, living life these days. Yeah, I agree. So, um, talking about race directing, talking about, um, you know, managing, local running stores. Um, obviously the, the timing that we're recording this, it's a few weeks before people are actually listening to it, but I got a feeling that this whole coronavirus situation and, 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 uh, how it's impacting every community, not just the running community, but of course everybody in, in the country, most people around the world, um, probably is still going to be ho- hopefully starting to wane by the time people listen to this in a few weeks, but, but maybe, uh, probably, you know, maybe not. Um, but, but would, would love to kind of dive into, um, at least a little bit, kind of some of the the things I've seen people talking about as far as frustrations with races being canceled or or things of that nature, and kind of get your perspective of it from from the race director. Because you know, my thought on it, and and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I hope I'm not wrong here, is that there's no race director in the world that wants to cancel a race or wants to postpone a race due to a global pandemic type of situation, like getting permits and all that kind of stuff is is complicated enough for the race that you're for the date that you had planned. And then if, you know, things, things hit the fan and we got to adjust, like that's, that's a whole 
mess of more headaches than, than you want to deal with. But um, I guess I guess we'll just start very general. Like, you know, when something like this happens, when we're in this this world of of coronavirus, um, you know, how how does that decision process kind of play out for for you from your perspective uh, of of a race director looking at what has to be done to try to keep you know to 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 salvage a race to move it? Like, how does that decision process play out? Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Um... It's been, you know, like I said, I was an operations director uh, for, you know, I was in operations at various levels, you know, for over 20 something years. I've never seen anything business wise like this. And that includes 9-11. That includes, you know, 2007, 2008. um, And it's the velocity of it. So in other words, you know, you have companies that were doing great. Their sales are up 20 percent or 30 percent year over year. And then overnight, literally. 80% 80% of your revenue disappears. Um, so I've never seen anything like this. And that's what I, I told, you know, the, the, the owner at Junction 311. That's what I told the owner at, you know, at Fleet Feet. That's we're trying to navigate through this stuff is that this is unprecedented. Uh, I doubt there's very many people walking around that have any experience in business that have ever seen anything like this. Um, we're in kind of uncharted waters. Mm-hmm. So all that being said, when you, you know, you talk about being a race director in this particular situation, believe me, probably the most frustrated person of all is your race director. Um, a lot of effort, a lot of coordination goes into preparing for these races way, way, way in advance, right? You don't, you don't just show up and there's food and there's aid stations and there's medals and shirts and volunteers, you know, and that was all thrown together the week before. I mean, it's a, large, long-term coordinated effort to prepare for these types of events. And when you have to cancel them or postpone them, it's, it's a huge headache for the, for the race director. Um, but obviously the number one concern for all the race directors right now, uh, you know, it's the safety of their racers. It's the safety of their staff. It's the safety of the volunteers, um, so you've got to make the hard decision um, to protect, you know, all the people uh, that are going to be involved in these in these races, whether they're aware, you know, or not that mm-hmm. that's what you're doing. You know, it's your responsibility and your obligation to, to do that um, with with the race, you know, the, the, the race that I'm a race director for that was going to be impacted by it. The conversations we had around it were you know, what's available and, and what's the proper amount of postponement, you know, to kind of like almost guarantee you're going to be able to, to go with it. Uh, and again, you're making these decisions with an unprecedented situation. So for us, we had an event that was, you know, scheduled for, I think it was, uh, April, uh, I want to say it was April 13th. Um, or April 25th, it was April 25th. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're talking about, okay, there's, there's some dates available later in the summer at the, you know, at the venue we want, you know, and we ended up rescheduling it for like June 20th or whatever that Saturday is in June, third, fourth Saturday Mm -hmm. in June. Um, and at the time, you know, this is way back in March, you're thinking if we're not back to normal by June, you know, right. that would be, inc- that would be incredible. You know, we, we, this is probably very safe. And now you're kind of approaching, mm-hmm. you know, the middle right. of April and there's still this gray, you know, cloud out there. And, and you don't know if you were, if you were aggressive enough or not. And we won't know probably until another two or three weeks goes by. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got the the effort of, 
communicating the changes to everyone and making sure everyone understands what their options are. Um, and I'll tell you, the only thing that's more stressful than probably being the race director in a time like this is being the owner of these small companies. Right. So, um, you know, people I don't think realize that the cash flow. So people say, you know, I want I, I want a refund, and and I think people need to understand. Um, it would be awesome for these guys to just be able to refund everybody's money uh, mm -hmm. and say, hey, we'll just all pick back up where we were uh, when this is all blown over. But the fact is, if you bankrupt these little companies, when this is done, if there's no races for anyone to run, it would be our own fault that we did right. that. Um, and what I mean by that is one race usually pays for the next. Um, and then these owners are taking some of the cash out to live their life. But they're not keeping most of the money that comes into these to right. these events. They are literally, you know, a, a company that puts on maybe 14, 15, 18 events in a year. And as the money comes in, the money gets spent on the event that it was for or even some events down the road. Because like I told you, it's a long-term planning, right? Mm -hmm. So when you just hit the brakes like we did um, and it's instantaneous, like we're shutting off a valve um, – you know, that money's already out the door. That money's been invested in shirts that are getting printed and metals that are getting shipped from China mm -hmm. and, you know, things like that. And you can't just go back and get all that money back, um, you know, and, and, and refund it to everyone. So it was interesting. I, I'm on the other end of this as well. I, I was signed up for Umstead and, and I had to, you know, forfeit the money I mm -hmm. put into Umstead. Um, so I understand the pain of that, you know, that, that, Hey, you know, you've, you've put some money into it and now you're not going to get it. But I also am trying to look at it from the other perspective, which is I want to run Umstead next year. Um, and if, and right. if I don't help that company exist, there won't be an Umstead next year. So, so I would just, you know, try to caution people to, to really be patient, um, understand that these race directors and these small race companies are, doing the best they can um, and, you know, try to support them as much as you can, because if you love their events and you want to continue to run them when this is all said and done, we need to help those guys still be here and, and, and be around, um, you know, so that we can get back to enjoying, you know, doing the things that we love so much. Yeah, so I don't know if that answered your question or not, but no, it, it absolutely does. And, and that's exactly kind of what I was hoping not hoping that you would say, but kind of where I was, I was hoping it would go because uh, the thing that I've seen, and thankfully I haven't seen it a lot, although I haven't been looking for it, so maybe there's some of that too, but I've seen a few people on social media and whatnot kind of, you know, oh, this race canceled and there's no refund and blah, 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 and like, you know, being really upset about it, but, you know, just like you said, a lot of times that money's been been spent already and and to get all the things prepared and, and to get, you know, to, to uh, secure permits and, and all the things that need to go into it that, that I think a lot of us and, and even those of us that maybe are, are fairly avid, you know, runners and racers don't even realize all the logistical stuff that has to happen and, and bills that need to be paid and, and things that need to be paid in advance and, and deposits, I'm sure that have to go on to stuff. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it sucks for everybody, of course, but big picture, like you said, I mean, if, if, if we just demand all these, these refunds, um, man, there's, there, there, the races won't be happening next year. And, and that would be, you know, it's bad enough how it's happening this year, but gosh, like, like everybody wants things to go back to normal. And if there's no races, then there's, there's no normal. 
Yeah, and I, and I think you know what we're trying to do, and and what you know they're doing with Umstead, and you know is as you figure out your financial situation. So as you go through, hey, can I get that refund back? Hey, can you know all those shirts have already been printed? Okay, so we've, we're stuck with the shirts. You know, mm-hmm. as you go through that, you get back to your racers for the races that you've canceled, and you start to say, okay, look, we're going to offer, you know. 30% refund, or we're going to mm-hmm. offer, you know, next year, you know, free entry into one of our events. Um, you know, we've got these shirts, we're stuck with them. Would you like them, us to mail them to your home? You know, right. so, so there's, you know, going to be a little bit of a delay. Um, and, and it's not because there's figuring out ways to, to, to keep the money or stiff you. They're actually trying to figure out, you know, how much of the cash can come back in, how much of it's already sunk, mm-hmm. um, what's it been sunk into, and what's the right way to to get people things to eat. Like, I think Olmstead's going to send me my T-shirt, you know, so I'm going to have an Olmstead, you know, 2020 T-shirt for a race that was never run, which in a way is going to be kind of cool, right? That'll be a cool story for the grandkids. So. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, what about from the, the, the local running store perspective? I think that um, a lot of us, you know, know our, our local running, running store and, and, uh, are happy to support them as much as we can. How can, how can we go about, you know, supporting them when we can't, we can't necessarily go shopping and, and go in the store and there's not races happening locally, at least not right now as we're recording. Like how can, how can we still support the fleet feats or the other independent local type of running stores that are in our neighborhoods? Yeah, so um, I, I can really only speak specifically about Fleet Feet because that's you know the only thing I have knowledge of right. or intimate knowledge of. But the Fleet Feets, um, most of the stores, the ones that we own certainly are are open for what's called curbside pickup. And if you, I don't know if you've ordered like a, a pizza uh, mm-hmm. during quarantine. You know, we've tried to support some local businesses, so we've ordered. They've gone to like a contactless pickup at your house or drop off at your house. So. Literally, they knock on the door, you open the door, and your pizzas are sitting on like this little stand at your doorstep, and you bend over and pick up your pizza, and then they come and get the stand when, you know, once you've shut the door, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, because, you know, they've had people out and, and said, look, we want people out exercise and things like that, the running stores are quote unquote essential and allowed to kind of still do this curbside stuff. So you can call the store and say, look, I know what I want. I want a a size 10 ghost. Um, do you guys have it? Great. Here's my credit card. It's all paid for. And Mm -hmm. you swing by the store and we literally will deliver the the shoe box outside and you just pick up your shoe and, and, you know, and off you go. Um, so I think, you know, there for our fleet feats, we're continuing to try to support our community. There's online ordering, um, like I said, the curbside, you can call the stores. Um, but we, again, the priority has to be the safety of our employees. It has to be the safety, uh, of our customers. Um, so we're asking people to be patient there. We, we have had, uh, the overwhelming majority of the people we've dealt with during the, the, this crazy time have been very supportive. They're, they're understanding the new way that we're doing things and, and they're trying to help us kind of, you know, weather the storm. And, and I think we will. Unfortunately, we've had to furlough quite a, a large mm-hmm. portion of our workforce. We're in kind of a survival mode. But I think, you know, based on the, the things we're seeing with the pandemic and the news that's coming out, you know, we think we're going to be able to weather the storm. And then the goal will be reopening the stores to some kind of normalcy and bringing our staff back at the right rate. Um, and, and helping our employees get back on their feet as quickly as possible. Um, but, but during this period of time, 
um, you know, I would again ask people, you know, show a little bit of patience because things are different. You can't roll up to the store and, and we can't let you in and try things on in the fitting room and, you know, and, and come in for a full fitting. So mm-hmm. you've just got to work with us and allow us to support you in a different way. Um, and, and understand that we'll continue to support you, uh, to the best of our capabilities in these new, you know, ways that we're doing things, um, you know, and, and, uh, support local, you know, it, it's, if, if you like a restaurant or if you, 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 you love your running store, whatever it is, uh, during this period of time, you know, for the same reason we talked about with these racing mm-hmm. companies, uh, if, if your favorite Chinese food restaurant, uh, doesn't have customers for a month and a half, you probably won't have Chinese food, you know, when this is over. Um, right. and it's the same thing with the running store and it's the same thing with the florist and, and any of the businesses that are still allowed to kind of do delivery. Um, whenever you have the opportunity, I would support your local businesses so that they're still here, uh, when this is over, cause this will pass and, mm-hmm. and, and people will want access to all those things again. Yeah, I was I was just going to reiterate that same point. You know, you, you like having your running store to go get foot, get fitted and, and, and check out some different styles and, and see what's new and things like that. Might not be able to do that right now, but if you're not supporting them now, you're not going to be able to do that in the fall, in the winter, next spring, uh, because those stores are going to not make it through. So yeah, support, support, support the, the local guys, the small guys, all that kind of stuff as, as best we can. Um, shifting, shifting gears slightly, try to try to round up on something that's maybe not quite all coronavirus and, and COVID-19 before it's all said and done. But, uh, you know, one thing that I, that I know you'd mentioned, and I, I, I didn't even really look into this too much, but I'd love to, to talk a little bit more about it and find out a little bit more about an anti-bullying campaign that, that you're, that you're working on. Um, tell us a bit about, about what you got going on on that front. Yeah. So, um, I think one of the things that that's been very interesting about doing some of the things I've been doing, the ultra running, things like that, um, uh, coaching people, the race directing is it, it's created a platform. Um, people for whatever reason, you know, they, they listen to you because you're the race director, you're the general manager of the fleet feet, you're an ultra runner. You're, you know, I've had the opportunity to do a, an ad campaign for Hoka. So, so there's this platform. Um, and, and I take very seriously the fact that, that people listen to me for whatever reason. Uh, so, I said, okay, I've got this platform, you know, it, it you know, it, it's going to be what I make it. It, it. it can be, I can use it for self-promotion or I use it for trying to make the world a little bit better. Um, you know, and, and I've got five children, they're all grown up and, and all well adjusted. So I'm very grateful for that. But I have seen um, friends that have had kids that have been picked on some of the things that go on, you know, on the internet, because I think people can hide behind a keyboard now. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a, a little bit more of an edge or viciousness to some of the things that get said and done. Um, and even I think our own leadership in our, in our country and in the world, it's become a lot more of people using bully pulpits to kind of get messages across and, and, and be really kind of nasty to each other. Um, so I decided, you know, if I've got this platform, I really want to kind of have a, a specific um, focused message on on what I want to say. And and, and, and we kind of came up with this idea around anti-bullying, around, you know, basically saying to people, look, you know, um, the world's only going to be a better place if we make it a better place. Treat people compassionately, um, you know, try to treat people better. 
uh, listen to each other, that kind of thing, and, and try to help, especially children, you know, um, have a little bit of a, of a, a better life, you know, bullying, especially with kids, it leads to, to depression, it leads to alcohol, it leads to drugs, it leads to suicide, it leads to violence, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I was, uh, basically a lady that I was working with online, um, who was a runner and an ex policeman out in California said, you know, there's this guy named Tyron Jackson. He, he has, a he grew up homeless and, and, uh, he has this organization called Operation Warm Wishes. And he was talking about, you know, having some kind of an anti-bullying campaign. Why don't you, you know, talk to this guy and, you know, and, and see what he's all about. And, and she got me in touch with Tyron and I spoke with him and, uh, and he was like, look, you're a runner, you know, and, and people follow you on social media and you have a, a blog and, you know, all this stuff. He goes, why don't we, we have people start hashtagging, you know, OWW run against bullying, Operation Warm Wishes run against bullying. And, you know, try to just get people to put their runs and their bike rides and mileage out there with the hashtag and, and just try to raise awareness. And, and whenever you're on, you know, a podcast or, you know, uh, doing something with, with Hoka or your races, you know, kind of put that out there. So I have shirts made up that I run with. So when I'm running, people see the hashtag and, and kind of promote it, but it's just a cause, I guess, that's near and dear to my heart. Um, and, and I figured if, if I've got this platform, you know, it would be a good way to use it. So, so I hope that kind of makes sense to you. Yeah, absolutely. How, how is that, um, being part of, of that and kind of carrying that, that, that banner for lack of a better way of saying it, how has that impacted you? How have you seen the, the impacts of being, you know, of, of kind of being, being part of this, this organization and, and, and again, kind of being the, the, the focal point for the running side of it, uh, how has it, how has it changed you, benefited you? How, how have you seen it, it impact you? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, but a lot of the things that I do, whether it's on social media or out of my races, like we've, we had a, a kid come out and run uh triple X last year that, that definitely was, you know, was autistic and kind of picked on and things like that. And the parents basically, you know, came to me and, and said, you know, we, we just love what you do and the way you talk to the, you know, to, to Michael and, you know, you make him feel included and, and, you know, show him that there are people out there that are kind. And, um, I've had other adults, you know, reach out to me online, you know, because I'm I'm a big cheerleader for, for the running community online. When I see people doing things, you know, I try to comment or, or appreciate them and, and people, you know, approached me and basically said, you know, no one ever says anything to me about any of this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to, to see the way you interact with us. And, you know, it, it lets me know that someone's watching and cares and those interactions, I can tell you this, I get more out of those interactions than I think the people that are approaching me, um, to know that you may have just helped someone feel a little bit better. Um, and, and hopefully, and, and I think people, that are observing you do these things that change their behavior are less likely to come forward. So you hope some of that branches off too, that you inspire some of the people around you to be kind too. But, but, um, you know, it's, it's just been interesting that, you know, there's, there's been so many different people have reached out to us either personally or, or via social media saying, you know, we appreciate your support, you know, um, you know, you stuck up for our kid or, or you encouraged our child or, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I honestly couldn't think of a better way to use the platform that I have than, than that. Um, so 
so yeah, I, I get a, I get a charge out of it because I want to believe in some small way I'm helping make the world just a little bit better. Mm. I'm, I'm, pretty sure you are. I'm pretty sure you are, uh, in, in multiple ways, making, making the world a lot better. Um, and one of those ways is, 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 you know, something that, uh, I always try to make it, make it a point to, to highlight, you know, any, anytime we can give back to the running community and, and as being a race director, being part of the local running scene with the, with the fleet beat stores, being the general manager there, that's certainly giving back. And so, uh, last thing today, I promise, uh, Joe, but would love you to, to, Plug your races. So you've got, uh, from from what my notes say, you've got three races that you're the race director for, the Owl's Roost Rumble, Triple Lakes, and Run at the Rock. Um, for those of us that are maybe in the, the greater North Carolina, Greensboro, Virginia area that might be interested in one of these races, or some those of us that are outside of the region, but are like, hey, you know what? Might not be a bad excuse to go kind of take a little trip and, and run a little race. Tell us about the races, kind of when, when you know, in a normal year, when, when they would be falling on the calendar, distances, things like that for anybody that might be interested. Yeah, sure. So Owl's Roost Rumble, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Owl's Roost Trail here uh, in Greensboro, but it's one of uh, what I'll call one of the more local iconic trails. It's a dirt bike trail, uh, gnarly little trail. It's about five miles, uh, some really steep, muddy hills. And we tie that into a half marathon each year uh, and call it the Owl's Roost Rumble out at Burn Mill Park. And uh, that race is obviously the 13.1, but we also do a great race the same day um, that's a four-mile race, and it's all trail, um, through Burn Mill Park on what's called Big Loop and Small Loop out there. Uh, but it's a great race because I think um, one of the things that uh, there's a void in the trail running community is races that are sh- kind of mm-hmm. shorter distances mm-hmm. for people to get their feet wet. So Owl's Roost is kind of cool. Normally third weekend uh, of April. Um, it's kind of cool because, you know, if you want to come out and really throw down and test your guts, um, the, the half marathon is a nasty little race. Um, but if you want to dip your toe into trail racing and just kind of feel what trail running is like and get your, your beak wet a little bit, the four mile options. Awesome. Um, this is going to be an interesting comment pre coronavirus. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we would always have, you know, big coolers of beer and cheeseburgers like that. We'd be grilling out and cooking and we'd have like a little party afterwards. Um, always a good time. That's actually one of the things as we roll out of the Corona, so the post coronavirus mm-hmm. world, at least for a while yeah. is what is that, you know, what does that look like going mm-hmm. forward? Um, and, and we've really had conversations about this year. Do we go to like individually wrapped, Right. you know, type of snacks and things like that. Luckily beer is individually wrapped. So we'll still have our <laughs> cold beer trail runners like their cold beer on a, on a warm day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so we're still going to figure out a way to have a nice party afterwards. Um, you know, but, but most of the trail events that we do, we always have great food afterwards right. and, and refreshments and, and we'll figure out what that looks like post coronavirus. But anyway, that's owl's roost. Okay. Um, Triple Lakes. Uh, Triple Lakes is a, a, a great local race um, for a lot of reasons. This year it's going to be on Halloween, so we're going to have mm. a really awesome costume contest as well. But um, we have uh, for Triple Lakes, we've got uh, three distances that you can run. There's a half marathon, there's a 25 miler, and there's a 40 miler. And the 40 miler uh, is near and dear to my heart in particular because it just about covers almost every mile of trail that's in the in the piedmont area um so if you want to really see the trail systems uh to their fullest um you know in one go uh the 40 mile option at triple lakes 
is just uh, an incredible option and it's right here in our backyard so it's it's a very accessible race uh and then the same thing we've kind of got uh normally we would have barbecue and and beer and things like that so it's kind of like an all-day party Mm -hmm. uh you know as people are finishing up the various distances and and hanging out and the the bling is always cool because it's pirate based so we've, we've got some really cool medals and shirts and things like that but but that's another great uh great event uh, and then the last race that's a trail race that we do um, is first weekend of December on Saturday. It's at Cedar Rock Park in Burlington. It's called Run Up the Rock. Uh, and it's uh, a seven-mile loop. And you can either sign up to do the seven miles or you can sign up to do two loops, which would be 14 miles. And um, it's just a, a really – it's a hidden gem in my opinion. It's mm-hmm. a beautiful – uh, wooded area out there at Cedar Rock Park, um, a little more technical than what we've got here in Greensboro. So people are a little bit more challenged by the rocks and and the the kind of scaling that they've got to do. There's a little river crossing, um, so it's a cool uh, day. And and the weather in North Carolina uh, that time of year can be perfect or it can be <laughs> bitter 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 cold. So. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting. Uh, the weather always makes that event a little more interesting than the rest. So, um, but yeah, Cedar Rock Park's great, and then again, it's very accessible for mm-hmm. for people who are trying to dip their toe in that seven mile option. Yeah, those sound like like all uh, great fun races, and and definitely I I feel like the Triple Lakes one kind of piques my interest because um, I grew up in in northern Michigan, and I miss the fall. I live in Florida now, so we don't have fall, and so I feel like you know kind of late October. North Carolina, fall foliage, run on the trails. Like that, that sounds like it's got to be a pretty, pretty great time of year to be there and, and run in a race. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, the, the thing that's interesting about any kind of trail racing um, is that, you know, if you run the same road, you know, you do a 10 mile road race every year, or whatever it is, or a half marathon road race every year, um, the weather can change and that is a variable that'll have an impact. But the terrain is always going to be concrete. Mm-hmm. So it could be wet concrete, it could be dry concrete, it could be hot, it could be, you know. When you put a trail uh, into the mix, you've got – it can be dry. It can be wet. It can be muddy. It can be frozen. Um, mm-hmm. There can be bees. There can be trees that are down. One year – it was two years ago. Hurricane Mike's came through here a week before the race. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, as much as we tried to clean the trails up, there were trees everywhere. So all of a sudden – there's you know, hurdles to jump along the way <laughs> abs- or climb over. Right. Mm-hmm. So when you start looking at things like course records, you know, things like that go out the window, right. you know, someone who, who, you know, ran a, a six hour, uh, 40 mile race, you know, that for that day might've been, you know, an absolute astonishing time. And it won't even come close to the course record because the course record was set on the day where it was 50 degrees and dry mm-hmm. and there wasn't a tree down in sight and they were able to just run the course. So, that's another aspect of trail racing that's fascinating to me is it's like you can almost never run the same trail twice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just there's so much variation to what can go on uh, that that, you know, if it's muddy, you're going to slow down and slide around. If it's if it's, you know, cold or hot, you know, you've got that variable. If one year we had, you know, people getting stunned by bees because a, a bee's nest had mm-hmm. been built right next to the trail. So they're they're coming in. And it was the most bizarre thing. I thought people were going to be upset. They thought it was epic. <laughs> oh, trail runners stung. just a different breed <laughs> yeah yeah i got stung three times and i finished a 40 mile race you know i was like wow all right cool <laughs> but but yeah you know those things are, are are just uh one of the things that make trail racing trail racing and and it's always interesting like you said trail runners are a different breed 
um, they are, they're a different breed. Um, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. And guys, if you want to check out any of those races, um, I haven't run any of them yet, so I can't give you the, the my stamp of approval, but I've run, uh, I've been associated with Junction 311 for a while, run, run a couple of their road races, nothing but the best for the organization. I know after, obviously after talking to Joe, he's taking care of you as best he can. Obviously in the coronavirus situation, things might change a little bit, but we're, you know, everybody's doing the best they can given the circumstances. So if you're looking for any type of good trail racing, and again, Great opportunity to dip your toe in the waters with, with some shorter distance races, which aren't always available on the trails. Definitely check out the Owls Roost Rumble, Triple Lakes, and or run at the Rock. We'll have links in the show notes for all those races, of course, as we always do. So, uh, Joe, thank you for uh, for taking the time today. Thanks for for talking a little bit about what you got going on. And and once again, guys, all the, all the links, Joe uh, joerandini.com, at Joe the Runner with the underscores between at Joe underscore the underscore runner, uh, Facebook, Strava, all that stuff. Dizruns.com slash 844 is the link for the show notes. So, uh, Joe, once again, thank you for the time. Thanks for uh, enlightening us a little bit on kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff of how, uh, you know, races and, and you know, local business operates and, and how, you know, in a situation like this, how it changes everything. And, and we all just kind of have to adjust and grant some grace and go with the flow. Uh, certainly wish, wish you and, and everybody at Junction 311 and everybody everywhere, uh, you know, hope this, this passes somewhat quickly and we can get back to normal soon. Um, but thanks for the time today and certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward. Yeah, I truly appreciate it. Thank you. All right guys thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's show hope you enjoyed the conversation between joe and myself and as per usual be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode what was your takeaway from our conversation today um for me it's it was i don't know i mean i guess it was it was obvious at least it was a big talking point of of just you know kind of all of the uh considerations that have to go into rescheduling, postponing, deciding to cancel races from, you know, good to get Joe's perspective as a race director as to how that goes. And I think, I hope at least that all of us recognize that when those types of decisions are made to cancel a race for one reason or another, obviously right now kind of, you know, everything's been, been canceled and, and, you know, kind of questioning on when are we, things going to get back to, to happening again, thanks to this, uh, you know, coronavirus. But, you know, we've all probably had, instances before where weather's been been sketchy maybe there's lightning and it have to be canceled because of that or you know inclement weather tornadoes hurricanes things like that that come through and, and adjust those types of plans and it's easy to kind of just think well shoot like why not just move it just postpone it to next weekend postpone it to next month um but like joe talked about it's not it's not really that simple and obviously right now with every race being canceled it's even more difficult to try to find open weekends in times that aren't a conflict especially for the local races where there's you know there's there's the local race schedule and there's you know this race always happens around the fourth of july and this one always happens on labor day and this one always happens around you know halloween time and and trying to squeeze other races in with other things in the air like it's just it's complicated it's complicated and so you know my takeaway is to just remember that not just in the in the the immediate time right now um when when races are being in still in flux and trying to figure things out but you know down the road when i have a race that i'm really looking forward to and it and there's weather a, a weather issue that causes it to be canceled to just take a breath and not freak out not get frustrated not get angry that the race distance was shortened or the the race was started and then had to be stopped halfway through or the race was canceled all the way you know just 
from the get go. And so then you're out the registration fees or travel costs or things like that. And, and yes, that's frustrating and it's okay to be frustrated, but the last thing that we should be doing as a running community is blaming the race director, blaming the people that are in charge of the race, because I think it was pretty clear from listening to, to Joe talk today that, uh, they're not, they're not making those decisions lightly. They're not just canceling a race willy nilly and laughing all the way to the bank. Like that money has already been, been spent. And if you want the opportunity to run that race next year, you know, we, we can't just be demanding that, uh, everybody gets their money back because of situations that are completely outside of the control of those that are in charge. So a little bit of perspective, a little bit of a reminder, hopefully more of a reminder than anything else. Something that I think we, we know is kind of going on, but, uh, in the moment, easy to get frustrated, easy to, to, to be upset. Think about the money that we're out, but, uh, you know, we might be out 70, 80, a hundred dollars for the race. The, the race is out tens of thousands of dollars, uh, especially if they have to send all that money back. So, you know, again, it's just one of those things that happens from time to time. And that's, that's why on all those, those race waivers, it always says, you know, refunds are not guaranteed. Um, and, and even then I think Joe kind of said that, that most race directors, at least those that, that understand the situation are going to do everything they can to give as much back as they can, whether it's through a virtual option, sending stuff in the mail, sending a partial refund, giving you a free race entry in the future. I mean, they're, they're going to try to make it right. But at the same time, if the races are going to continue, some bills have to be paid. And that's why we can't always get our money back. So um, again, just just kind of my my takeaway from this one is just that reminder that there's a lot that goes on to, to directing races, especially those that, that direct multiple races or those that whose business is to put on these, these various, uh, you know, big and small race series types of things. There's a lot that goes into it. And, and when something crazy happens, weather, virus, pandemic, or something else, you know, it, it sucks for everybody, not just those of us that were planning to run that race. Um, and so, you know, try to give grace, try to give grace, try to be understanding as much as you can. And uh, trust that, that the people in charge of the race are going to do everything they can to make it as right as they can while still making sure that there can be more races in the future. So that's, that was my takeaway kind of, I think. Fairly direct, fairly to the point, but again, just a good reminder, good thing to s- stick in the back of your head for you know later this this fall as things continue to, uh, un- you know, I don't hope, hope not unwind, but if things can continue to come into focus. If races still have to be adjusted, just be gracious. Do the best you can to be gracious at least, even though you're going to be frustrated. It's okay to be frustrated, but but you know, and then beyond just this year, beyond coronavirus, COVID nineteen, uh, when things happen in the future. Be gracious. Be gracious. So that was my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? Let me know. I'm at Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can also send an email, Dizruns at gmail.com, or you can head over to the show notes for today's episode, you can find at Dizruns.com slash 844. We got the Cliff's Notes. We got the uh, the memes. We got, well, actually, we don't have memes. We got photos from today's episode uh, of, of Joe and various uh, photos that he sent over. We got links from, from races and things that we talked about today. Um, and, of course, we got the comment bar down there at the bottom of the page. You can leave your thoughts, feedbacks, takeaways there, uh, and I will certainly be happy to respond to anything that you leave in the comment section. And with that, we'll go ahead and uh, start pulling this one into the old uh, into the old harbor. Uh, once again, consult calls are available, just a one-off if, if you want to talk through something or if you want to schedule a few of them. Um, you know, I've had folks that have done that before in the past where they're training up for a race. Whenever races start to happen again, 
And it's like every two, three weeks, we jump on the phone. All right, here's how things are going. What do you think I should do going forward? Um, That's cool too. The consult calls are there to be used by you as you feel they are necessary. So check it out, disruns.com slash consultation. All the information is right there. Uh, Pay via PayPal, sign up, schedule a time, uh, and we will be good to go. Any comments, questions, or concerns about that, obviously just let me know. So with that, we'll go ahead and officially wrap this one up now. Thank you all for listening. Hope you enjoyed this one. If you did, feel free to hit the, uh, the share button on whatever device or platform that you're listening to this on and spread the word. Certainly always appreciate that. And uh, until next time, y'all, please be well. Take care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, right? See you guys.